guys, welcome to Product Explained, a show where we talk about products and the company's history and strategy behind them. I'm your first host, Jeff Lee. And I'm your co-host, Mike Alcazarian. Hey, Jeff, how good does that feel when you start to humble brag on LinkedIn? Yeah, today is my last day at X. I'm so grateful for Y years of blah, blah. Thanks to Tim, Jim, and John for being such great mentors. I think I've seen it all. Today's show, we're talking about LinkedIn, a social networking platform for professional networking and careers. Yeah, as, as Jeff mentioned, LinkedIn is a social network specifically for business professionals. They have a really interesting mission. The mission of LinkedIn is to connect the world's professionals to make them more productive and successful. So how does LinkedIn work? So for example, you'll create a profile for yourself. So I'm Jeff Lee, or you are Mike Alcazarin, and it's very much like a digital resume. You have your photo, education, a background that you had of all the different uh, roles that you might have had within education or different jobs that you might have had, volunteer experience, skills that you can be endorsed by and endorse other people. And then there's a home wall. So when you first log in, you'll see this, and it's essentially a stream of your network. So if you follow companies, if you follow certain people, like I'm super passionate about sustainability and clean tech, so I follow a lot in the clean tech space. So I'll see a lot of professional news on like agriculture news or wind energy or utilities based off of my, my stream, as well as what we talked about before, a lot of the humble brag posts where <laughs> something might have like 10,000 likes for some reason to say that I grew up in a shack and now I'm work for a venture capitalist or like Jeff and I were joking like, like earlier today, I come from a very non-traditional background in venture capital. <laughs> you know, I, I did Ivy League and then I went to Stanford and then I founded a company and exited to uh, a VC company. So you'll see all all of that within within LinkedIn. What's really interesting is when one of the features that I really like is you can see how many degrees of separation you are. You, mm-hmm. you have a first degree connection, which means that you're directly connected. A second degree connection, which means that, let's say, for example, I don't know that person, but someone I'm connected to knows that person or is connected to that person. And then there's a third degree connection where they're completely outside of your bubble. There's no connection to that person. So for me, whenever I'm searching someone, I can see, oh, hey, like looks like we know like these three or four people related to each other. And that was from like, let's say, for example, my Autodesk days when I was connected with more of like the design and mechanical engineering, industrial design folks. So it, it's nice to, for me to just quickly grok who these people are and where they come from. So that's my, my first favorite feature. My second favorite feature is just like the how it becomes a digital resume. I know I have a personal website and I've tried to keep it as up to date as possible, but that was before LinkedIn. Now I just post everything that I've mm-hmm. yeah. done to, to LinkedIn as a nice quick summary to really showcase, like, hey, like this is my background. This is the pr- professional persona that I want to, uh, want to create. In terms of the business model for LinkedIn, so how does LinkedIn actually make money? So there's two primary ways that they bring in revenue. The first is through business solutions. And the second is through premium subscriptions. And so when I was initially doing this analysis, I actually didn't think at all about the business solutions. I was only thinking about the subscriptions because I'm always getting those uh, messages on LinkedIn to say, hey, do you want to become a LinkedIn premium member? And sometimes I'm like, yes, sometimes I'm like, no. And I always forget that it's really expensive. (laughs) But business solutions is a huge opportunity that LinkedIn has tapped into. They have four different solutions in four different verticals. They have a hiring solution, a marketing solution, a selling solution, and a learning solution. So for example, in their hiring and talent solution, they're essentially connecting companies with job seekers and vice and job seekers with companies. For learning, they actually have a whole suite of courses where LinkedIn users can actually create their own courses and then they can sell those courses to the premium through premium subscriptions 
on LinkedIn. And then the second part of the business, as I mentioned, is is that subscriptions part of LinkedIn's business. So a question that I had for for the back of my head as I was doing this was, you know, what's a healthy percentage of paying versus free for any business? I don't know the answer to that, but LinkedIn seems to have a very healthy percentage of people on the platform that are actually paying users. LinkedIn has 29% of users that actually pay for premium. And that's way higher than what I would think of for your standard typical, just because like, I think we're so used to, we, the consumers are so used to like the, the Twitters and the Facebooks of the world where you don't pay anything. So I Mm -hmm. couldn't imagine like paying for something (laughs) that I get for free. But I think LinkedIn has always had that monetary aspect to it. That's my hypothesis for why it's such a high um, penetration rate for paying users. As I mentioned, it's, it's a little bit pricey. They have four different tiers. They have the career that starts at $30 a month. Uh, they have business, which is $60 a month, sales, which is $80 a month, and hiring $120 a month. So this is more targeted towards someone that can get this expense, you know, like especially if you're in sales or you're in HR for a company, you want to be able to find talent. Or if you're in sales, you want to be able to find these connections. So LinkedIn like enables you to send lots of in-mails, which is mails without a connection to someone, um, as well as get detailed information and data based off of your clients that you're going after or the people that you want to hire. So I think they've done a really nice job segmenting. I really don't know like the difference between business and career, but I haven't looked super into into the business section. But I know I have used the career pre- LinkedIn premium at $30 a month for like six months previously when I when I had been job searching. And, and it's really useful because you get to see analytics before you go into and apply to a role. You get to see all sorts of... You actually... They, LinkedIn then doesn't cap you on the number of people that you can view. I know if you just have the base version of LinkedIn, you actually can't willy-nilly look at everyone all the time. I think they cap you at like 40 or 50 searches um, per month. So with career, you get unlimited searches. So yeah, that, that's LinkedIn in a nutshell. I actually really like LinkedIn, mostly because I think all the jobs that I've ever gotten, I've gotten through LinkedIn in some way, shape, or form. I know people sometimes question, like, is it worth it to put your LinkedIn profile together? Anecdotally, for me, it's absolutely been worth it. It's been a whole career's worth (laughs) for me. So yeah, I think it's um, certainly been really helpful for me. I will say that it probably leans towards tech more than some other jobs. We'll talk about competitors later, but there's obviously other job boards like Indeed, etc. And I do think that LinkedIn is probably more conducive to tech professionals and how they kind of talk to one another. And it might not be for every sort of career or every, every avenue. Over time, LinkedIn has become more of a social media platform than a networking platform. Mm -hmm. I do feel like I'm seeing more people post about just like these weird quips or like learnings. Like you'll see posts that are like, failure is okay. And then people go into this long diatribe of like, here's what I learned from applying to 100 companies and getting rejected to 99 of them or whatever. It's like stuff like that. Or you'll even see interns now or like students saying, hey, I didn't get the job, but this is all right. And then like you see it follow up with like 20,000 likes. So <laughs> I think like it it does kind of trend a little differently than traditional social media. It's mostly focused around uh, career stuff. But yeah, like most of the time now people post this weird like inspirational stuff. And I think people are getting kind of tired of it, to be honest. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. It, it's, it's really interesting where I try to compartmentalize my social media where you know, Twitter is for, actually, I don't even know what Twitter is for. Maybe Twitter is like my anti-compartmentalizing, but like, (laughs) you know, Facebook is for like my big life events and it's for just, it's very personal. Mm -hmm. Instagram is like more public because 
and, and more like dynamic, I guess. It's more like every day. Yeah. And then I have LinkedIn, which is like just purely professional. Like I, I don't really like to post personal things yep. onto my LinkedIn. I just like to keep it on brand of like, hey, I'm someone, I'm a product manager that likes tech, sustainability, and entrepreneurship. That's like the brand that in persona that I try to create with my LinkedIn profile. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Let's dive into the history of the product. So originally, LinkedIn was founded in 2002 by Reid Hoffman and some other founding members of PayPal and socialnet.com. I feel like we need like a a voiceover or like some sort of like instrumental or like the PayPal mafia. Yeah. Like whenever we do a company that is part of the PayPal mafia. Or even like Reed Hoffman himself would like get his own voiceover, to be honest. I'm totally. kind of surprised. I didn't realize LinkedIn was around since 2002. I thought it was like a little later, like maybe, you know, 2007, 2008. That's kind of when I recognized LinkedIn had been around. I didn't realize it was so old. <laughs> like it's almost yeah. been around for 20 years now. That's wild. Yeah. Wow. That's insane. Yeah. Like, if you put it that way, you know, you would think, oh, LinkedIn's been around for like, you know, 10, 12 years. No, it's been around for, you know, almost 20 years at this point. They've gone through, obviously, multiple rounds of funding from people like Sequoia, Greylock, and other VCs. And they went through a ton of, ton of growth. They filed for IPO in 2011. In 2011, they earned $155 million in ad revenue alone. So they surpassed Twitter that year for ad revenue, which is pretty crazy, considered that you would think that LinkedIn is a more niche group, but just for professional networking, whereas Twitter is just like kind of every topic on, on the planet. So there's just like a ton of topics that LinkedIn doesn't cover, but for some reason, maybe the audience is more targeted and that's why they, they generated more ad revenue. Yeah, to- totally. And I-, I think maybe one of the factors there is like LinkedIn is almost like an inherent enterprise solution. So there's just going to be more money in that mm-hmm. versus yeah. Twitter, which is like, you know, for the everyday schmuck that isn't paying for it, you know, but LinkedIn has like that direct tie to business where it's like, oh, it's like a business relationship and you're in that mindset to spend money. Yeah, for sure. It's a good point that you make about businesses, right? So businesses, when they look for talent, they have to like put up a brand or a persona that wants to attract talent, right? Like if you think about joining a company, you want to kind of see what they're like on LinkedIn. You want to see what they're like on Instagram. You want to see like what they're like in general. You might read Glassdoor articles, etc. And you might try to find out what's it like to work at that company. If I were to personify that company, what would that persona be? And I think that's why it's super important for LinkedIn for companies or businesses, because that's like a really large market for them to tap into existing talent. Like any good company that's worth its salt will obviously want to search for the best talent and be able to attract the best talent. And there's no way if you're a company in 2021 uh, looking for top talent that you're not going to be on LinkedIn. So I think that's, that's where it's really interesting. Like they're probably paying top dollar so that they can show more job postings, be higher up on searches, be included in some of these ranking articles, have their posts come up in the algorithm more, stuff like that. Yeah. And I think in today's like day and age, like being a quote unquote thought leader is so important because it's so like attention is so ethereal as we have so many different competing priorities. Yeah. So like that persona that you can quickly solidify and broadcast to the world is even more important to make sure that you are top of mind for if someone thinks X, they think of your company. Yeah. It is funny because I think about all these thought leaders that like I'm sick of listening to. Like I think of like, (laughs) I can't tell you how many Gary V posts and like videos that I've seen over and over and over. And I'm just like sick of it. There's definitely a ton of people in this space. I think it's great. Like if it's inspirational for you, but you know, it's just like, it's very preachy. 
2016, LinkedIn was actually blocked by the Russian authorities for non-compliance. There's a law in Russia that requires any <laughs> social media network to store their citizens' personal data on servers that are in Russia. So LinkedIn was like, we're not going to do that. <laughs> uh, probably because we don't want to get like, you know, the Kremlin on our ass about... Uh, totally. getting all of our data and stuff like that. But I thought that was really funny. That's, that's hilarious, actually. Also in 2016, Microsoft acquired LinkedIn to the tune of $26 billion, which was the largest Microsoft acquisition to date. That got me thinking of like what other acquisitions Microsoft had that were of note. I think Skype is one of them. I can't think of any other major ones off the top of my head right now. Yeah, I know some of like the Microsoft Word or sorry, the Microsoft Office functionality was acquired. I think mm. like Excel is actually acquisition. So it's poor PowerPoint. Basically, like every single one of their products yeah. like, is, has been built on for an acquisition. But yeah, I don't know like the actual dollar value of those acquisitions. I think they've just become this like uh, this massive conglomerate now. But that's a massive sum of money is $26 billion for, for that for a social network, I guess. Yeah. And I think at the time people were thinking about why did Microsoft acquire a social media company, especially around businesses. But then people were thinking about how those two things would integrate. So for example, let's say you're sending out a cold email to someone using Outlook, it would search that email across LinkedIn, and it would provide you with your connections or any key topics or posts that like might be relevant to to that person that you're reaching out to. I don't know if that ever came to fruition, so I'm still a little unsure about how those two things link together. But I think one of the main reasons why you don't see that direct connection was because as part of the acquisition, LinkedIn was promised to be able to still maintain their own brand and operate as its own entity. So a lot of people don't realize that LinkedIn is owned by Microsoft because they feel like their own company and they don't really have that microsoft fingerprint all over it yeah i think maybe like an interesting thing like if i'm microsoft like at least maybe like maybe the microsoft office product team or any microsoft teams i would want to see the data on it's, it's another data channel like I, I would be able to see like what the top ranked skills are you know like let's mm -hmm. say like i wanted to build like the next gen product for product managers for example i would be able to look at all of like the metadata across all pms at PMs or anyone on LinkedIn with a PM title to see what skills they had and like how strong they were in it and like how they referenced and then start to fine tune like my products that way. So I think that's an interesting part. I don't know if that was part of the acquisition intention, but it, or maybe it was just like Microsoft needed to have a social network because Google, Facebook and all the big tech companies and th that flywheel that is a, a social network. So I don't know the rationale behind it, but I could tell you how I would use it today if I was in, on, in Microsoft. I think what's really funny is that an early part of LinkedIn profiles was not only your experience, but there's like a skills assessment behind it. So you basically said, I'm good at XYZ. And then people can kind of upvote uh, that you're good at XYZ. And they can give you testimonials, or they call them recommendations. So like all that is part of your online profile. But what's hilarious is that I bet 99% of people put Microsoft Office as part of their skills, <laughs> uh, just like they do on resumes. And people are like, yeah, no, duh. Like we know that you can use Word and like <laughs> Excel yeah. and stuff like that. Can, can you type? Check. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you made a profile. Like, are you alive in 2021? Then you've probably, you know, used a word processor. They acquired LinkedIn. And then that's still one of the skills that people don't really assess for. So I can imagine that that was one small link. Um, it's interesting with the skills because LinkedIn has actually changed how easy it is to endorse skills like before like what jeff's mentioning is at the very bottom of your profile you'd have all these skills like mm -hmm. product management public speaking whatever it is and you could just press a plus button on like i would go to jeff's profile scroll all the way down press plus now you actually if you press plus you actually have to say how do you know jeff has this skill yeah and it gives you like a ranking of like oh he's like 
world class at it. He's middle class. He's like a peasant at this skill. Yeah. <laughs> and then it tells you how you knew that. Like, oh, like you were a coworker of Jeff's. Okay, check. Like it, it makes sense. So it's interesting how they're, they they maybe realize that it was too easy to endorse people for skills and get like a billion endorsements and actually put some thought behind it. But now it feels like it was too far on the end of that continuum where now I don't even want to endorse people for skills because I have to press a button or I have, it's like four or five clicks <laughs> to, yeah. to, to actually endorse too them. much barrier. I think the totally. reason why they implemented that change was because before there'd be a lot of endorsement trading. So like I would go to my friend's page and like just click on all the skills that I could and they would go to my page and just click on all the skills that you could. LinkedIn initially was very much like kind of an optics game. So one other main thing about LinkedIn that's actually really important, and this is like the social aspect of it, but if you have under 500 connections, it shows the actual number. Once you hit 501, it says 500 plus, or maybe I guess technically if you hit 500, it says 500 plus. And so getting to that 500 number is really important for this like social validation. Whereas people know that like, hey, like Mike is actually a really important person or he's good enough at his job that people wanted to stay connected with him. So earlier on when I was building out my LinkedIn profile, I actually spent the time to like connect with people that I really wanted to care about and just sent a ton of cold invitations to people, even if it doesn't necessarily mean that they were other product managers. Sometimes they were recruiters. Sometimes they're just like people that I knew or like colleagues from school and stuff like that. But initial days of LinkedIn was very much around optics. Like how do you make your page seem like you are doing a lot of really cool stuff even though you're not necessarily doing a lot of cool stuff i think it's gone the other way now or maybe i mean it's it's still definitely about optics but i think that there are some people that are like total ballers that have like 110 connections and that like if it's like a like a svp at a company or maybe like a vp at a company and it's like 112 connections something like really small where they have like a very tight circle i think it's like the opposite signaling of like Oh, I've made it to like VP status, but I'm that baller. I, I feel like that's with. happened more on like Twitter and LinkedIn where like people don't follow anybody. And, totally. then, and then it's kind of this like exclusivity thing. I can't remember who it was. Like maybe it was like, I think it's like KFC and they don't follow anybody except for they follow the Twitter accounts for like their 11 spices. <laughs> like they follow <laughs> one that's like, you know, time oh, awesome. and one that's like cayenne or something. It was something really funny like that. Yeah, so as a part of that acquisition to Microsoft, the CEO at the time, Jeff Weiner, stayed on board. And at that point, he was reporting to the Microsoft CEO, Satya Nadella. They released a new desktop version in 2017. So there's a pretty big UI overhaul. They also started to focus on mobile because they realized that a lot of people were searching for jobs on their phones, um, talking to connections, etc. In 2020, Jeff Weiner stepped down to become the executive chairman after basically 11 years as CEO. And Ryan Roslansky became CEO. He was previously at the SVP of product. And in 2020, they laid off 960 employees during COVID, Damn. which is really bad because- That's so surprising. They are a website about finding jobs. And then they laid off a thousand people. I mean, like, you know, eventually they have to lay off people at some point, but it was just like always a bad look if you're an employment company uh, and then you have to lay off a bunch of people. It's just like, you know, bad against the brand. Totally. In 2021, it was reported that 700 million LinkedIn records were on sale via these hacker records, um, oh, which you would think was a breach, but wasn't actually a breach. It was scraped data. So like Mike mentioned, you can actually go to a lot of people's LinkedIn pages. There's some level of public information that you can allow people to view. And they literally ran a scraping algorithm to pull down all the information that they could, you know, aggregate it and then put it for sale on online, which of course was a violation of terms and services, but 
those people probably don't care. So yeah, and of course, everyone reads the terms of service all the time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Plus, like, I wonder, are, are they even going to be able to sell any of these hacker records? Maybe they want the aggregation of all the emails, and they'll probably sell that information to like maybe some advertisers. But like, I can find whatever I want. So do I really need to like go and buy some of this stuff if you can already scrape it? It's just like it makes my life a little easier. But I can like find your profile by typing in your name and. If I knew a little bit of information about you, I would know exactly who I'm looking for. Yeah, for sure. So who is LinkedIn for? So as we discussed, like it's for business professionals and there's a lot of us out there. Mm -hmm. LinkedIn publishes that there's 660 million LinkedIn users from over 200 countries around the world. There's 30 million companies that have LinkedIn profiles that are publicly published. If you look at those user base, 40%, 40% of that traffic is coming from the US. So it's definitely it tilts to the US, but it's still heavily international being mm-hmm. 60% international, which is, which is really interesting. I know that for, for me, like using the tool, like I really like using LinkedIn and I would be interesting to see like when customers become paid subscribers versus when they drop off. And it, it definitely feels almost like if you look at the customer journey and the customer life cycle, I have to believe that the revenue cycle for a specific customer has to revolve around job searching. Yeah. Like, like when a customer is going to switch to career is when they're job searching. And like, as soon as they get that job, they're going to, you know, kill their, their subscription. So I'd love to like, kind of like look at that. And you know, at least for, at least for like the average user, I think for the sales people that need this as a tool to function as a business it makes a lot of sense and same thing for recruiters where you're constantly looking for for people and it's less cyclical but mm-hmm. i'd love to see the numbers from linkedin on just the linkedin premium based here for professionals that are looking for jobs yeah just like you i tried linkedin premium at one point when i was job searching myself and i accidentally left it on so like <laughs> there was like a time of period where i like i left it on for a few months and i was like oh crap i you know paid like 90 bucks, 120 bucks for a couple months. I didn't use LinkedIn premium and had to turn it off. But yeah, I agree with you. I only really cared about that when I was job searching. But I do think that, like you said, there is some recurring revenue of recruiters, right? There are some companies where recruiters are always searching for candidates. So they're almost always paying for some level of LinkedIn subscription or LinkedIn service. But yeah, I agree with you. For candidates like ourselves, when you're job searching, you might turn on uh, LinkedIn premium and pay for it, but otherwise you don't really use it. And I think part of it is that they offer all of their social features for free. It's not like you mm-hmm. have to pay to like post stuff or like pay to engage or whatever. And that makes sense, right? That's the stuff that like keeps you on the platform and keeps you around and keeps you kind of lurking. And you're actually generating value for LinkedIn by doing that stuff. So that's basically why they don't charge you money for creating posts. If you create a post and it goes viral and a bunch of people are looking at your thing, that's great for LinkedIn because... While they're on the platform, maybe on the side, there's an advertisement about a new job, or maybe somebody reaches out to you on LinkedIn for a new job opportunity. And because you're on LinkedIn that day searching for the posts that your friends are putting up, you might actually see that message and reply back. And that recruiter sees value in it. So they tell their friends and their friends start paying for the recruiter subscriptions. It's kind of this cycle. But yeah, I agree. All of the paid features focused around job searching and recruiting, and maybe a little bit around learning too, because there's LinkedIn learning. But everything is like career related and none of the paid features are on social. And even, but just from like a brand perspective, like if I want to learn something, I feel like I'm going to go to Coursera or like some other like MOOC, like LinkedIn isn't like top of mind for me, at least not yet for, and I wonder if it's the same for other, uh, other folks. Yeah, for sure. I think it depends on the company too. A lot of companies now will do some like continuing education and they partner with somebody to do some of this continuing education. I think we get 
LinkedIn Learning now, like a free LinkedIn Learning subscription. So if there's any courses on there, I think the problem is the quality of the courses seem like pretty low. Maybe it's because I tried LinkedIn Learning like a few years ago and there wasn't that much, the content didn't seem that deep. So I think that's probably why I was kind of scared away from it, but it might've gotten better now. Speaking of other people that are doing similar things, let's talk about competitors. I think the biggest competitor that we have to call out here is Indeed. Indeed is, I would argue, probably a larger company by volume in terms of like job applications. Like I think because it's corely around job postings and job applications and they don't really have a social component to it. Mm-hmm. And so when you go there, you just see like pages on pages and pages of Indeed jobs and postings. I think it's a superset of the posts that are on LinkedIn. So LinkedIn, again, to me, seems primarily focused on tech. Uh, and like some yep. of these bigger companies, like these either either large brands or tech, whereas indeed, sometimes you see posts around, let's say like, hey, we need a machinist or hey, That's we right. need um, plumbers to join our company or we need, you know, other jobs. So I think indeed is better for like everybody, like as, as an aggregate. But if you are specifically in a couple different industries, LinkedIn is probably better because it's more focused and more niche. There's also Glassdoor. So Glassdoor is... Very similar to LinkedIn, but mostly around testimonials for companies that people have worked for. So Glassdoor has a, I think it's a four-star rating or five-star rating. And you can kind of rate the companies and give your testimonies about how you felt like your time was at the company. Or if you're still there, you can talk about how good the leadership is and there's different scoring. Glassdoor also does do job postings, albeit there's very little on Glassdoor that isn't already on LinkedIn. I was going to say, it's it's so funny because I, I feel like Glassdoor should be more of like one-way window because like you're only really just reviewing the company you know yeah. you're not like really like going i guess like the door like you're going back and forth between the company but i feel like glassdoor is like diff- main differentiation is that you're able to review the company and like review yeah. the specific role, role review the specific leadership and then linkedin feels like you're broadcasting yourself yeah no one's like necessarily reviewing you i mean you can like you know, get your skill endorsements, you can get your recommendations from folks. But it definitely feels like that maybe is one feature that LinkedIn is missing is that ability to review companies, which could be dangerous territory, because it's nice that Glassdoor lets you be anonymous to uh, if you had a really bad experience with a company, you wouldn't want your at least I wouldn't want my, you know, permanent record to say that, you know, Mike said XYZ about this company that they used to work at, what is he gonna say about my company? when he gets my job. Yeah, it is supposed to be anonymous. But at the same time, I think the reason why you haven't seen like a glass or LinkedIn partnership or an acquisition is because LinkedIn makes a lot of money on the companies that have profiles on LinkedIn. And Glassdoor is almost like the opposite where they're like, hey, we want full transparency from the company. So they want to make sure that the company is abiding by rules. And there's a kind of competing interest there. As LinkedIn, you want more companies to be on your platform and you kind of want to cater to them. And mm-hmm. so you don't want to be like, hey, pay us this premium subscription to be a brand on LinkedIn. And at the same time, we're going to like talk all this bad stuff about you <laughs> or like there's a possibility that you might get exposed. So I think that's probably why uh, people don't people don't do both. Another competitor that Mike alluded to was Coursera. So LinkedIn learning is becoming a larger and larger part of LinkedIn's core offerings. I think there was an article maybe this year about how LinkedIn is planning to expand LinkedIn learning for more people. They think continuing education and staying sharp with their skills is part of 
growing your career. So, you know, Coursera is a good example. If we throw Coursera in there, we have to kind of throw in Udemy as well, like all the sort of e-learning platforms and YouTube and stuff like that. And then lastly, all the other social media. So Instagram, Twitter, et cetera. It's kind of different because the topics vary widely from not just professional stuff, but I will say, Unfortunately, LinkedIn also integrated or built stories <laughs> into their platform, which is really, really strange. And I'm not sure why anybody would like want to watch these 30 second clips of like people's jobs. So yeah. I wish I our LinkedIn audience could see both my face and Jeff's face when Jeff was talking about stories. Because we both cringed. Yeah. <laughs> Wins like so, so bad. But yeah, I agree. It doesn't make any sense. But I think at the end of the day, like if you like look at the jobs to be done framework of like what's the job that all social media is doing and it's really just consuming your time. <laughs> so it makes sense that any social media is um, competing because you're just competing for eyeballs and advertising. So we can talk about our thoughts. I know we've definitely talked in depth about the, the product market fit for um, for LinkedIn, uh, the pricing and the strategy. So I think we can get right into the reviews. I love LinkedIn. I think it's been critical for me to just understand networks, which is really important. So if mm-hmm. I'm searching for a company that I want to like work for, I'll look at the founder, I'll look at the team, I'll be able to see their backgrounds. And that's super valuable where I can see like, hey, is there anything in common that I can bring up in an interview? Or I can just keep uh, up to date of like, hey, like this is someone that I really respect. It's like they're a chief product officer. What, what do they take for them to get to this background? I also really like it for just tracking information. It's actually interesting with LinkedIn etiquette. Like I actually will not accept a LinkedIn request, even if I know the person just out of principle, if they don't send a message to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, granted, like that's not necessarily always true, but generally it is true. Like I, I get a lot of random requests and I'll never respond back to them. I just decline them because I think the power of the network is I'm always willing to help someone, but I can only help you if I knew know how I met you and like know like yeah. the background. So even if it's as simple as like if someone connects with me and says, "Hey, like I saw you have this really interesting background in product management or in engineering or like you're interested in clean tech, I am too. That's cool. I'm super happy. Just like send a message when you. I think it's like one of my biggest weirdest pet peeves is like I hate when I get a random LinkedIn uh, connection request without a message, yeah. but. Long and short of it, I'm going to call LinkedIn a 4.2 out of 5. I think some of the things that are missing for me is really more along the lines of what Jeff was talking about um, earlier. So yeah, 4.2 out of 5. Yeah, great. I uh, tend to agree with a lot of this stuff that you said. There's no way I'd be where I'm at today without LinkedIn. I know that sounds kind of cliche, but like I've literally gotten my last three jobs out of LinkedIn. I've met a ton of connections I've met a lot of mentors that have offered some really awesome free advice. I was that guy that sent out cold messages and said like, hey, I know that you did a very similar path to me. How did you get there? What were some things that I should look out for? The pitfalls? Is there any advice for me? Things like that. And people have been really generous with their time um, and their expertise. So I've gotten to meet some really cool people via LinkedIn. I think that's like one of the biggest things that LinkedIn has to offer is that you could go right now and search for CEOs and send out a cold message. And you can't really do that with a lot of other platforms, save for like Twitter. Mm. And that just doesn't seem like the right channel for it. You know, like Twitter, great. Like if I wanted to tweet at Elon Musk about like something <laughs> meme then great. But like if I wanted to tweet about something kind of serious in my career and stuff, that probably isn't the right channel. So I think that that's been really cool for me. Like I have met a lot of really awesome people via LinkedIn people have been really kind and connected to me. I've tried to pay that back and like mentor some people. I'm the same as you, Mike. I I think the biggest problem is that it's hard to filter out the noise from like what could be a really good connection. 
Sometimes totally. people will just reach out and be like, hey, I want, want, want. Like, can I get 30 yep. minutes on your calendar? I'm interested in X, Y, Z. I see that you've done this. And it's great. Like, I'm happy to kind of help you. But, you know, recognize that for every good request, there's probably like five to 10 bad requests of like people just asking for stuff without providing any value or like telling me the reason why I'm the person that they need to talk to versus like anybody else at my company or somebody similar to me. And so like, to me, if you're not going to spend the time to like craft that message, why would I spend the same effort to like return any value to you? But yeah, at the same time, I have gotten people that have spent that time and have been really cognizant of like me helping them out and been really courteous and stuff like that. And I've helped them and they've been like really great mentees and vice versa. Like I've asked for mentors time that way too. So yeah, I think overall, I'm going to give LinkedIn like a 4.4. I think the biggest qualm that I have about it is that it is hard to kind of filter out all this noise of people posting about how successful they are. Or like we joked earlier, people that are like, oh, I went from Ivy to founding a startup and then I spent time at Goldman Sachs and now I'm a VC partner and like all the success it's like really hard to do this like keeping up with the Joneses game with all these people and the fact that you can get bombarded with messages from anybody asking for your time or even asking you if you're interested in these jobs that have nothing to do with you sometimes so that's the only that's the only problem that I have but otherwise love the product totally and with great power comes great responsibility <laughs> act responsibly with your messages that you send out on LinkedIn and be, be courteous. I think that people are, you know, kind and courteous. I think the world can use a lot more of that. So those are our thoughts on LinkedIn and we'd love to hear from you, our audience. So definitely reach out to us. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter. You can find us at prodx podcast. That's P R O D E X podcast. Yeah. And if you like the show, be sure to like us and subscribe on your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify, Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, etc., And let us know what products we should review next. Also, if you want to send Mike a LinkedIn request at any time without <laughs> any message, feel free to do that as well. But otherwise, we'll see you next episode. Spam you later. Spam you later.